This is a Podfire production. This podcast may include explicit themes or swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people, and once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Humans. In today's episode of Awesome Humans, we're back in the studio at HQGC after our COVID-19 restrictions have finally been lifted. And next to me today, I'm joined by Ken Bensley. Ken is an event owner of the Pepsi Max Tour. He has also worked for the X Games Gold Coast, so this guy knows a bit, a bit about uh, getting some sexual, successful events on. Aside from having a passion for the event industry, Ken's the owner of Chaos Karting. He's the mentor coach for some of the world's best go-karting talents. I'm excited about today's guest. G'day, Ken. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. Good to be here. Mate, karting. Yeah, karting. Do you kart? Yeah, I did. I did. um, Yeah, I did. It was sort of, um, it was a bit of an interesting road to get to there, but it was sort of, uh, the whole karting thing was like a sea change business. It was sort of getting back from, I guess, you know, working on the, you know, what we were doing with, you know, events with Pepsi and Extreme Games was all very quite corporate. So it sort of took it back to grassroots and grassroots retail and grassroots athletes, basically. So in a really different market. Yeah, 100%. So have you always been a rev head? Yeah, always had dirt bikes and go-karts yeah, yeah. growing up. So, yeah, it was sort of, you know, it was something that I was doing. Um, you know, I was into a bit of motocross and then I had a go-kart and I was going on Friday afternoons and um, we'll probably get back to it at, at one point. But the, I guess the move into karting and out of out of events came about um, in 2004. We were working with John O'Porter and uh, he was killed in a racing accident um, in, in early 2000 or mid-2004. So, for me, that prompted a bit of a sea change. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was sort of... Um, took some time out and then was, you know, mucking around in the cut and then the opportunity came up to get involved in the industry and, um, you know, it was a it was a good redirect for me to get my head out of where I had been. So Awesome. Well, we're going to come to all those as, yeah. as we go through the story today. One thing i got for you, though, is during COVID-19, the, form, the, the, the Formula 1s and, and the V8s and all these big car races all stopped. Hmm. And then some bright spark come up with the idea of doing an online version in uh, like video game version. It's been amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. I watched the first race. I'm sitting there, this is real. Like it was, it was insane. But the good thing about that is you're getting all these young carters that are actually having a crack against some of the big boys. Correct, yeah. And it's like a lot of these kids, I think there was a 16-year-old kid or something that, uh, that ended up winning a race. And that was all based around the fact that um, – he was online, like he's yeah. not allowed to actually drive yet. Yeah, so I think that um, I think that young guy was um, Brock Feeney. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, so and um, you know he he came through karting. Um, you know, like I helped him out, and and, he, and his dad Paul Feeney. Um, you know, early on in their karting days. So Brock now is running. He did a season in Super Three, and I believe he signed up this year with. Tickford to do Super 2. So really? he's got a little bit of experience, but he's still, you know, he's, he's not, not he's got a long way to go to, to yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's still have a the, kid. They have the opportunity to actually race Correct. against some of the big boys. Yep. And I know it's not the same as racing, but it's a little bit similar. And yes. the fact that these kids are beating these adults, I love it. I and think some it's of great s- for racing. And some of the setups they had too, yeah. like I could see them all posting up their photos online and you know, all the screens and, you know, the, um, the simulator seats and stuff like that. Some of them 
had spent some, some, some pretty serious coin, coin on their gear. He's currently working for Ferrari in um, in Scotland, of all places. Mm. And what they've done is they've, they've spent £12 million on a simulator that's got some ridiculous amount of rollers and all this. So it actually feels like the, I think it's a nine-metre circle screen that actually when you're in the car, it's the exact same as driving. Wow. So if you hit that pothole or that little lump or whatever, the, the actual way that this car moves and everything, and it's a full-on simulator, and they've done it specifically because obviously people weren't allowed to drive, and it's also now going to be the training centre for Ferrari. So yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the money the money that they tear up is ridiculous. So it'll be be interesting to see how they all survive through right. all of this. Whether it comes back. Mm. Right? So, you know, like obviously, you know, sponsors were pulling out here yeah. and there. And, you know, I think there's um, – I think I saw a post, you know, like really, really good drivers, I guess, you know, like I think it was Will Davison, you know, like he's on the hunt for new sponsorship. So yeah. makes it um – yeah, you know, makes it tough when something like this happens for for all those sports because oh, mate, the, the amount the amount of money that you know it's insane. Well, they were talking at one stage about how I think it was the NRL um, could only last for X amount of weeks mm. before it actually went broke, mm. and Australian rugby's the same, and all these different sports mm. that potentially won't be there yeah. in in the near future. Scary yeah. shit. It is, yeah. Okay, so let's start at the very beginning. Let, let's <laughs> let's uh, let's hear the uh, the Ken story. What, what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Oh wow! Um, I, I guess you know from 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 leaving school. Obviously, always had a passion for for extreme sports. So you know, started started out from school. You know, working for a little local retailer in Brisbane that had a store down here called yeah. Snowbiz. So you know, then they they branched out and had Scapies. So Snowbiz and Scapies. So you know, it was snowboarding, skiing. You know, rollerblades, skateboards, scooters. Is that what you wanted to do during school? Um, no, I actually was right into photography. Believe it or not. Oh, really? So yeah, and I sort of wanted to follow that as a passion and. And, um, and I sort of did as I led into those other things, and you know a lot of um, you know even some of the some of the stills that were used through you know the X Games marketing and even mm-hmm. the Pepsi marketing were, were shots that I'd taken while we were on the road. So, but I guess I had sort of ended up with a passion for both, and then yeah, yeah. you know just one of those things where you just if you follow your passion, you always end up in the right place. So were you, were you so. the nerdy kid in school that liked photographs, or were you the sporty yeah, type, or probably more sporty? Yeah, so, yeah. But were you a good student. I'd say I was fair. <laughs> not the worst, not the best. <laughs> well, did, did, you, did you treat school like it was serious or did you have a bit of fun? Same to me like you were going to have a bit of fun. Yeah, I had a bit of fun. I, I, I took a bit of time out. Um, you know, year, year 11 I decided it wasn't for me and left and then decided, no, I really needed to do year 12. So then, you know, went back. So I, I missed the last term of year 11 and then went back <clears throat> and started, you know, year 12 missing that term yeah. of year 11. So, you know, ended up with pretty reasonable grades because I wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. So, it makes a difference when you want to do something. Yeah, right? so, but um, obviously always like to enjoy myself. So, yeah, so that sort of led to, that was sort of, a you know, my first retail job out of yeah, school yeah. and, you know, sort of, you know, you, you get connected to good people though through that stuff, you know, like all the sales reps from Burton and Oakley and, you know, they were all good people. And were you a skier or a boarder or something at the time? Started or? out skiing and then, um, and then sort of morphed into snowboarding, mm-hmm. sort of skied for probably four or five years mm-hmm. Any good? Oh, yeah, I, I'm capable. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> where did you get that level. from? Were you a surfer or were you a skater? Or yeah, that skate, like from? sort of skating. So, you know, like, you know, the, the whole inline skating, aggressive um, skating thing. Lee's probably going to edit this out because <laughs> he said I didn't tell him about the rollerblading <laughs> thing. But I guess, you know, like out of school, you know, yeah, I was, you know, like I was – 
ended up sponsored by Coca-Cola for rollerblading and we had like a like a Coca-Cola state, um, skate team. Okay. And there was one we, we can't just we can't just brush over this. <laughs> take, take, yeah, let's go back. Let's go back. Okay, so there was a Coca-Cola skate team but in where, every how'd state. But how did that come about? Um, so well, I, I why guess, rollerblades? Well, because it was like I guess that that was the you know it yeah, came I, mean, not, I was a blader. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, so, roller hockey. You know, yeah. So we did a bit of that, but it was more the aggressive. Like you know, we've skated ramps and street, yeah. and it was sort of you know it was at that time when it sort of launched. It was sort of the cool thing to do. We'd all skateboard. It's like oh, these rollerblades are pretty cool. And then you know we'd get into it and we'd go and do big city skates, or we'd go to the local skate ramp, and then and then Coca Cola started forming teams in each state to do you know like marketing. I guess it was the early days of big brands being yeah. involved in in those type of sports so because it would have been an extreme sport back then pretty much yeah, it blading. was yeah it was so and you know that's sort of you know i guess went hand in hand with you know working at the working at the shop yeah, yeah. and then sort of then it morphed from that so what coke give you as part of your sponsorship do you remember <sighs> Yeah, it was a long time back, but I guess the, the – Merch the, and stuff? Yeah, a little bit of that and, you know, clothing and, you know, branded. Like there was a little bit of money involved. It wasn't huge. Like yeah, but yeah. if we did – we did appearances, like we did appearances at uh, Dreamworld and stuff like that, you know um, – Coca-Cola inline skate For team. sure. And, you know, we <laughs> did the – this is, this is really gay too is we did the, the hypercolour. The hy- you remember the hypercolour yeah, yeah. T? We did the hypercolour T-shirt launches in Queen Street Mall. Awesome. With, um, They're coming back now actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was his name? Eddie um, – one of the TV hosts, Eddie, somebody. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, so yeah, that was that was, I guess, the early nineties. You know, yeah. 92, 93, um, 94. and then yeah, we did. Um, then the Courier Mail engaged us to. Uh, recreate their show bag stand if you like so we put a big half pipe in their show bag stand and choreographed a show and um you know so they, you're inline skating yeah in the yeah, show in, wow, yeah. so it was cool. like it was sort of the attraction to their stand yeah, yeah. like so it was 93 so um yeah so you know designed and built like a, a, a skateboard ramp that would fit you know in their show bag yeah. stand and then we choreographed a show and yeah, so that was kind. So you were really dancers on skates. Is that what you're trying to, to tell me? To an ex- no, that was a half pipe. So it was like you know, it was like so there was six. A, but they were full choreographed shows. And they stuff. were, but it was like yeah. six guys. You know, six guys on a skate on a skateboard ramp, essentially, or a half yeah, pipe. Yeah. You know, like in sequence. So you know, one under, one over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like you know, three in the air simultaneously. You know, so it wasn't so much dancing. It was more, you know, a choreographed. Yeah, yeah that's you know, pretty awesome yeah, on skates, like, especially on skates. Like as well. crossovers. Yeah. Yeah, crossover stuff. So yeah, yeah. It, was, it was um it was pretty cool for its so time. It's, so. it's, it's something you should admit to and you should be proud of, as opposed <laughs> to worry about what other people are going to think. So so you're you're now a, a professional inline skater working at um, the ski shop. Yep. And why why boarding then? If because obviously skates, you think you'd be skiing. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I just sort of, I guess, related to the snowboarding. It was, you know, just less equipment, more comfortable, <laughs> and more and more freedom. I think, you know, so I, know, I quite like that yeah. idea of like, you know, carving down the mountain. So it's um, so we're just we're just sort of skiers, young bloke. Generally, perisher, yeah, you know, perisher or threadbow, but um, more often than not, it was it was perisher. Yeah, so. okay. And then, um, yeah, so I've been, you know, a lot, a lot of other places obviously since then, you know, um, skied over in the US quite a bit and 
um, you know, got to got to actually jump out of a helicopter last, uh, not last Christmas, the Christmas before, and spend uh, spend a day in the back country. It was sort of always a bucket nice. list item for me. So, um, yeah, finally got to to tick that box last year. Yeah, a very year, good friend so. of mine in San Fran. She runs uh, heli tours. Yep. And uh, she, always, I always threaten, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I would it's love. Just to amazing. Do it. it scared the shit out of me, but at the same yeah. time, I think it's. Uh, It'd be a pretty insane experience. It is, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, you they drop you off on the top of a ridgeline and it's like, you know, once the noise of the chopper disappears, it's like just dead silence and you're standing (laughs) on the top of a ridgeline going, oh, shit, now I've got to get down. (laughs) And there's only one way. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, but, yeah, so then I guess, you know, from from being in retail and the skating thing, then we start, we developed some products in, you know, in, in, um, in another in another guy's garage, and then you what know, sort of products were there? So that was accessories for inline skates, like straps and grind plates, and oh, okay, you know, it ended up being quite a quite a decent range. And then um, I was really friendly with um, you know, Tim Dor was the guy's name. He was sort of the founder originally of Aussie Skate, and then um, then Cockroach Skateboards, mm-hmm. and then then went on to like um, Cosmo cosmo wheels for inline skating and then cortec wheels for skateboarding um after that so um and yeah he managed to get our products into like germany france and austria for us so and then this thing just grew so then so what was that brand it was called myth myth Myth. yeah myth skate products how does the uh how does the myth thing happen um, sit around a, a few yeah. around a campfire top. Yeah, yeah. I actually can't remember where the name came from, but then I guess the the brand story behind it was all about you know mythical creatures. You know, like we had Bigfoots and you know like sexy dominatrix chicks and oh, okay. you know, Loch Ness monsters and crazy mad like things that, that were was all mythical. mythical. Type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we wow. had a, we had a great artist who designed all of our artwork and stuff. So, but. Um, yeah, so that sort of that that sort of boomed, I guess, while the whole inline skating thing was popular, and then obviously inline skating took a pretty pretty Why? rapid decline. Um, it stopped. I don't know. Didn't yeah, it? just yeah, it was sort of like it was booming and booming one minute, and then it was like it just wasn't the cool thing anymore. The next, so yeah, it, it was bizarre when you yeah, think, like oh, yeah. I haven't really thought about it out loud. But when back in the day, like everyone was doing it, it was yeah. all, all fun, and mm. and then all of a sudden, no one did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, how did that affect myth? Uh, well, that was you know, like it was a, that was a partnership business. So I guess in business, that was probably one of my first big lessons. It was a pretty brutal partnership. Slap in the face. Yeah, it was a pretty brutal partnership bust up. And so you know, like at, at that time, you know, um, extreme games was kind of coming onto the scene. So like I was approached. Um, you know, by by a company in Sydney called Online Sports Marketing to come and um, manage the sport. So aggressive inline skating. You know, they had like you know the street course section, and then you know the vert ramp competition. So mm-hmm. there was two divisions for the sport within Extreme Games. So in that first year, I think it was ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. I became like the sports manager, if you like, for okay. uh, for the inline. You know, how was that? Was that like it was a, good fun? Was that yeah. one of those dream jobs? Um, it was. It was pretty cruisy. It was like a small role. It was just you know managing the athletes that were competing, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know over overseeing the judging process and, you know, appointing the judges and, you know, essentially just managing the sport. So yeah. did that in um, 96 and then um, – so then the following year really liked the team, for the, you know, that were uh, running Extreme Games. So sort of hit it off with them and so in the next year they asked me to come on and, and do essentially that same role but for all the sports. So, oh, nice. You know, so for, for skateboarding. So Extreme Games, is that X Games? 
Yeah, yeah, X Games. So technically in Australia they couldn't use the X Games oh, really? brand because so it was obvious they used Extreme Games. So, you know, I think in that 97, I think it was PlayStation Extreme Games. They were the PlayStation with a... The, major, the sponsor. major sponsor. And so what did that include? That was inline skating, was it skateboarding, BMX? BMX? There was um, downhill, like luge, like um, down, downhill stand-up skateboarding, wakeboarding, BMX dirt jumping, and then, you know, obviously they had a street course for BMX skateboarding inline and then vert for BMX. So where did they do that? So that, that fir- the second one, it was um, Broadwater, Broadwater, um, parklands or what it is, Broadwater Parklands. Now. Oh, here on the Goldie. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so then 98, <clears throat> 98, I think it, 98 we did it back at Broadwater Parklands again, then 99. So after 98, after 98 I was sort of, uh, you know, was looking after all the sports and then the guy who was the, the project manager or project director um, for the for all the operations of the entire event left and... Um, I think I was only like 25 at the time and the, the guys who owned the company approached me and was like, well, you did a great job of that, you did a great job of that, how about, you know, you reckon you can run the whole event? <clears throat> and I'm like... Yeah, of course. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah no, no worries all, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anything, yeah, yeah, all good. So, yeah, so, you know, basically took a contract in Sydney and uh, and moved down there and, yeah. and got my teeth into it, so, yeah. And was that... So, uh, the best way to learn is by jumping in the deep mm, end. Correct. And, and you'd obviously done it for a couple of years, so you, mm. you understood it. Yep. But to have that responsibility thrown onto you at such a young age, do you think a major? Yeah, to an extent. Like, you know, I was sort of always, you know, bite off more than you can chew mm. and chew like fuck type of yeah, attitude. Of so, I but, um, uh, yeah, it did, you know. Like, there was a, there was a lot to take in and um, I, I guess from – it all comes at a sacrifice though too, you know, like I was always driven to, to do that stuff. So it meant that I didn't have much of a personal life from probably 25 to 35, like, yeah. you, you know, like you just bury yourself, you, you know, the, the, the headspace that it takes to pull something like that together, it's like you don't get much of a life outside of it. Like, no, so of course. From the outside looking in, it all looks cool and they're like, oh, you got the best gig in the world and it's like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> 15 hours a day, seven days a week. 100%. So, it's bloody awesome. <laughs> I don't but, think people don't understand, do they? No. So, you know, but, yeah, and it was a, you know, it was a big move. We had to try and shoehorn the event into the RNA showgrounds that year. <clears throat> so, yeah, so there was some challenges there too. So, you know, whilst being young and learning and... And was that still the... Uh, <laughs> extreme mm. stuff there so it was. before the pepsi stuff yeah it was so that's kind of what what morphed into the pepsi stuff so off the back of the rna um there was a you know like pepsi i guess was doing the modern day version of what the coke thing was you know years ago so it's t- basically bringing bringing the advertising message to life, you know, yeah. so four, four dudes living the dream, you know, so, yeah, so basically we created, um, I came up with this, you know, hand-drawn sketch, you know, sort of based on some, you know, etnies advertising mm-hmm. scene and what, like, you know, like if I wanted to see something, yeah, yeah, so it was like this four-way crossover event. So you had, you know, a BMX, you know, BMX skateboarding, inline skating and then the first year we had a, a wakeboarder on these trampolines and it was like motocross, BMX, skateboard, you know, and wakeboarder all, yeah, yeah. all, all in the air at once. So, you know, again, like a half-hour choreographed show. Um, so that sort of ran through 99 and sort of concurrently with Extreme Games. So I was sort of 
involved, but like only at a only at a management level. So yep. then, you know, there was a team that were executing it, and the execution didn't go um, quite as it should have. Um, so, and then, I guess it was Janu- January. Must have been January '99, or yeah, it must have been January. I'm quite can't quite remember the timings, but um, there was two that. The company that I worked for was appointed the logistical side, you know, the operational side yep. of it, and then um, a company, another company called um, Turnbull Porter Novelli, which was a, a division of um, Singleton's Cleminger. Sorry, Cleminger back in back in those days back in the day, yeah. was they were engaged to do all the PR okay. <clears throat> piece around it. So basically, I had a a young guy that worked under me and um, Penny, who was the point person at um, at, at Turnbull Porter Novelli. She had a young girl under her working on it, and they kind of missed the mark, you know. Like both both the companies that we were working for, it, it wasn't a big budget activity, but it still probably represented a good opportunity for both businesses to to, to ensure that they maintain their relationship yeah, yeah, with a with a big brand like Pepsi. So <clears throat> so I think in January, Penny and I got our heads together and said, "Look, this thing's going to fail, and you know it's not hitting its KPIs. You know, um, Pepsi's going to have the shits with you know." Both of the organisations that we're working for. So Penny and I spent the, the program had from January to March left to run. You know, so we basically just to, were unpaid to yeah, put yeah. upon ourselves to save this project because it was quite a cool project. And um, yeah, and so we ended up delivering something that was really, uh, really quite. For, for year one and for the time and for the budget, something pretty spectacular. Pretty yeah, so yeah. Um, hit all the KPIs. They decided to renew it. Everybody was happy. And then probably April after I was off contract and back up here on the Gold Coast, um, I got a call from a, a guy called Ian Tetro. Tetro. He was the president um, for Pepsi-Cola for the Asia-Pacific region. He's like, I want you to come to Sydney for a meeting. So rocked into this meeting, get in there, pennies in there, and he's like... I saw what you guys did with that program. You know, you did it on your own, da-da-da-da-da. Um, he said, what would you think if, if I put the two of you together and you formed your own company and you did all of our consumer campaign work? Like so, below the line. I'm, I'm like 26 uh, 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 getting uh, uh, headhunted by old mate from I'm just I just looked at Penny and went, holy crap. <laughs> That's This is pretty serious. And the fact that he's picked two people then go and start a company to do his shit. That's pretty cool. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, um, yeah, and so that was sort of how that then morphed and then we, you know, we did the Pepsi Max team for four years and continued to Did you ever to tell him it. that you were a Coca-Cola inline skater? No, no. Because the irony of that is hilarious. <laughs> it is. Isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah. it's the old taste test. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but, and so what was the, um, what is the, or was the Pepsi Max tour? So essentially it was... Um, it what was, was your brief that this bloke gave you? Yeah, it's so essentially it was it remained the same. It was to bring the brand message to life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, and the the basis was the four guys from from the commercial just doing crazy shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, we just built on that and built on, I guess, more of an alignment to extreme sports. You know, in that era, and you know, something that was spectacular, so that the brand got its message through at a grassroots level. So you know, um, that that was. That was kind of our wasn't kind of, that was our it was brief. the brief yeah okay so you know so we <clears throat> so Pepsi funded this thing and so it was I guess about getting branding in places that 
you know, now they can use social media, but back then social media wasn't, wasn't so big. There, yeah. So, you know, like we would, you know, this was something that people wanted to see. So like, you know, we would take it to things like Big Day Out. So there'd be no cost to, to Big Day Out to have this show, like, mm-hmm. you know, like within the grounds of the event other than they had to pay for fencing and security. So, you know, they were essentially getting what would cost them probably 50 or 60 grand to put together for, you know, for the event by the time yeah, you bump. Bump the set in, pay the athletes. You know the show is choreographed. It was it was impressive. You know, like we had the best athletes in the country. You know, we had the best motocross rider. You know, we had best skateboarder, best inline skater. You know, best BMXer. You know, so it was. So were those those boys making some good coin? They were back then. Yeah, definitely. So you know they were on retainer plus a plus a show rate. Love it. Love it. And during this time, are you also still either skating or boarding, or what are you doing, athlete? Athletic world, Nothing. now you've just turned into a yeah. manager mode. You're 172 <laughs> yeah, kilos. Yeah. No, he's joking. No, no. no but you've, you've, you've sort of yep. given all your everything to this business. Correct. Yeah. And so during this whole time, did you ever go to uni or TAFE or anything no. like that? You just learn on the fly? I'll yep. say that, mate. So yeah, much better. Yeah, exactly. How much better a businessman do you think you are just because you've literally had to swim? That's exactly right. And we've and all learning, made mistakes. Yep, but as long as, you learn, as long as you learn from those and don't make them again, then. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. It's so yeah. true. So how long did the Pepsi Max tour last for? So we did that from like 99 to the, the last season was 04. So and then and we, why did that come to an end? I think the briefs changed, you know, like Pepsi changed their, their tact with that advertising piece, mm-hmm. you know, like the, it wasn't about these four extreme dudes anymore. It was... Um, it, it, it was kind of in in that space, but the, it, it did change, and you know it had run its course, and you know you know Pepsi decided they needed to reallocate that money in other areas. So we we continued to do some other below Are you the and line. Penny still, yep, yep. yeah, we continued to do some of the pretty much for a period there, other than the actual physical Pepsi taste test that you saw, anything else that you saw that was Pepsi branded. Um, that was in field. Like if you yeah. saw a vehicle or you saw stuff happening that was Pepsi branded at Big Brother or if you, you know, at your local shopping centre yeah. or whatever, we put it there. Wow. So, yeah. So, so it's a pretty good contract. Mm, it was, yeah, yeah. And then Pepsi come and say, yeah, sorry, guys, that's it? Uh, on the Pepsi do? Max team. So then, oh, then okay. that's you what. you kept the other stuff going. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you know, good. and so we've sort of morphed into that. And then in 2004, we'd... <clears throat> You know, we'd set up some pretty good relationships with the guys from ARD, which was Australian Ramp Designs. They did all the ramps for, you know, extreme games and then, you know, they had the, the skate parks and stuff and then we won a we won a 1-800 reverse street active tender um, with the Australian Sports Commission, you know, to... Um, to I guess set about touring a, a street course essentially around the country and giving kids the opportunity to have free coaching. Oh wow! You know, in, B, in BMX, uh, BMX skateboarding and inline skating, and the government had done a bunch of research and. They call it that whole "Have you done this in the past seven days?" Yeah. You know, like ride a skateboard, ride a BMX bike. You know, and and I guess what they what they found through that research was that um, there was always kids that were participating in non traditional sports, which were falling through the cracks. You know, like the government invests heavily in you know team sports and athletics, and there's national sporting organisations in place, and there's legacy, and there's 
you know, there's stuff or there's structure yeah, yeah. around that for kids, whereas there's no, there was no, or is still no structure around, you know, the, these other alternate sports that kids are participating in. You know, so uh, the the legacy, unfortunately, from that program never stuck. So because there was a company, I don't even know who the company was, but we got that tender in the third year because the the money that had been spent, it, it, there, it, the program Nothing wasn't, happened. there wasn't a legacy left, you know, like, so the whole idea of the program was to go into these markets with this and then, um, you know, empower the local, like empower a local association or a local club or try and build an association around a skate park or a, and empower, you know, local level, um, you know, local level, what's the word I'm looking for? Local level structure yeah, yeah, or, know, you know, mate. sort yep. of, you know, for, for, for them to run events for these kids around these sports. So it's a bit it's a bit sad that it missed the mark because, you know, the government spent quite a lot of money on the program. Happens so, lot, yeah, so we sort of got it in the last year and we, we had the scraps of the budget left. <laughs> so you don't do what you could do, We're really. Gonna, correct. So, and we did that in... in Oh, oh, four, oh, five. And okay. So, yeah. So, and that's sort of, I guess, the timeline where it came up to, you know, going through all of that stuff. And, and it was during 2004 that, you know, on the sideline we had, um, we deal, you know, because we were dealing with wakeboarding, we saw the Australian Pro Tour of wakeboarding we were involved in. And then, um, John O'Porter, who was riding motocross for us, you know, with in the in the shows, um, he he got he got faced by an ultimatum. I think in late two thousand and three, <clears throat> from Factory Suzuki. Part of me to to make a choice between freestyle and racing, you know, basically. So okay. They came doing. So he was a racer as well. Yeah, very good, and. Um, and he's like, well, man, you know, I'm making all this money out of freestyle and, I, and I'm doing pretty well out of racing, but I, I kind of want to do both. So we sort of, um, you know, we helped him sort of go out as a privateer and, and get some sponsorship together. And he was then still factory backed by Suzuki, you know, going out on his own. He just wasn't, you know, he pitted right beside the factory Suzuki yeah, team. Yeah. But, but, you know, had his, had his own program running. So, um, and then, you know, that worked really well in year one and we went into year two, you know, more sponsorship. He was really starting to get some momentum. And what were you doing during that period? We funded him. So, okay. you know, yeah, and just helped him, you know, like he was a good human, you know, like and was you know, we're like, mate, well, you know, we'll set up the company for you. Then, the, you know, he had a van in year one, a van and a trailer, and the van was one of our vans yeah, from yeah. touring. And then the next year it was like it stepped up a level and he needed a truck. So we took, you know, one of our old touring trucks and, you know, he put a new body on the back of it. And so it was all, you know, just I guess helping him out, just to see where it went, you know, yeah, like yeah, just course. to try and support him. And then, yeah, and sort of in 2004 when, when he was killed, it was like that was, I guess – Obviously, a really you know really sad How time. How did that happen? So it was the outdoor rounds up at Coolum, second second round of the Australian outdoor rounds. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just sort of went into went into turn one, you know, ho- like whole shot bar to bar with a with another rider and and went down. So what sort of bikes are they riding there? The, he was riding it was a two the two fifty so okay. pro, the Pro Lights I think it was called back then. Um, yeah, so basically just went down in turn one and you know in the outdoors they have forty bikes basically on the grid or twenty twenty bikes. On Mm-hmm. I basically just got run over. So, uh, were you there? No, I wasn't. Thank goodness. So I was actually in Adelaide at a meeting. So, what was that phone call like? Yeah, pretty shit. Mm. <laughs> so, <clears throat> who rang you? 
Um, Penny, my business partner, and like yeah. John had always come off and hurt himself and was in hospital, and you know, so Penny called me hysterical, and, and she could tend to be a bit hysterical yeah. um, at times. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's just John has come off the bike again, and you know, she's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't get yeah. it. Like this is this is, is just it? a bit more than that. Like he's just been, you know, medivaced out to you know, Sunshine Coast Hospital or whatever. And he passed so, away in hospital. Yeah, his yeah. parents had to make the tough decision to turn him off. So, yeah, it's Mate, pretty you shit. You don't appreciate that. No, no. So that was, yeah, so I was in Adelaide, so it was a pretty tough hour. I was down there by myself and, you know, just went and sat down at um, Glenelg Pier and, yeah, it was pretty sad. So, but, um, so that was, that was probably a turning point for me because we yeah. had, um, you know, we got to a point where we had an office up here and an office in Sydney and an office in Melbourne and a bunch of stuff and a bunch of gear and, like, you know, I'd basically become a slave to the business. And, you know, whilst a lot of what I was still working on uh, was a passion, it was like I was I was basically just managing this big business. Turned into a job, mate. Yeah. Isn't it really? Yeah. Like you look at this stuff and you go from having a lot of fun. Like we had that conversation mm. before we started mm. this. Like we, we run a business and and in that and then we do this stuff, which we really enjoy. Mm. And like I love coming in and talking to people and the big difference between this and a job is so much. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. You, when, when your business grows and grows and grows, it gets to a point where it actually becomes a job and I can, I can understand 100% what you're saying. Yeah. So... Yeah, so you know, I did a bit of <clears throat> a bit of soul searching. I guess the week after, you know, we went up to his funeral. We all road tripped up there, and you know, and then sort of, you know, the 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 weeks after that, I guess I just, you know, I came to the realization that <clears throat> I need to get back to, you know, John. I was twenty three, <clears throat> following his dreams and following his passion. I'm like, oh, I need to get back to that because yeah. I can, you know, makes I, you look could, at life different than it. Yeah, I could die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so and that's sort of yeah. Pull, pulled out of all of that. Took us a year. We, we had so much stuff: skateboard ramps and trucks. And oh, really? So it took a year to pretty much tidy everything up. You yeah. know, get rid of everything, wind everything down, clean up. You know, all the companies. And know. so with um, Penny, was your business partner? Yeah, yeah. During that whole mm. time, and is it a decision you both made, or did you turn around and go, actually, this is what I'm going to do? Um, you know, it was a decision we both made. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just said to Penny, you know, like I, I feel like we've become slaves to this business now and, you know, it's what started out as just, you know, you and I sitting around, you know, having, 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 laugh, a, having a few drinks and going, <laughs> oh, fuck, we can make this work like yeah, this. Yeah. And just that, that you know, passionate headspace to create something, it was it had become tight, like we were just spinning the wheels, yeah. you know, like winning the next contract to make sure that we could keep spinning the wheels. So I just said, look, and do one of two things, you know, like if you want to carry on, you know, like you can buy me out of the business or we both just agree that we've had enough and we, we wind it up. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, you know, she she was extremely close to Jono as well. So she took it pretty hard. So, yeah, you know, we just came to the decision that, you know, that, that we would wind it we'd wind it up and yeah. you know that we would we had some forward contracts so we you know we advised pepsi that we'd finish so we had we had street active to finish like we still had six months to run you on didn't that think contract. of trying to sell it 
No, because it's, it was one of those things. One of our competitors was bought, um, you know, in a similar sort of space, that experiential marketing it was called, like, yeah. and, and for big money. So, and, um, and the type of company that would have bought us, like, so it would have been a Singleton's or, or, or a Clemenger. Or something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that which would have meant I was satelliting from Queensland. I just had, we, Louise, my partner, and I just had our first child. And so generally what happens in those sorts of acquisitions Positions is the directors are then wrote back into the yeah, business for two years or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So you know, and it was it wasn't about the money for me. So mm-hmm. it was like you know, I'm like, I, I'm not you know, take six months to negotiate, eight months to negotiate a sale, and then and then have to be tied back to the business for for two to five years, and potentially have to move to Sydney to do that. It was like you know, not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're done. So during all this time, you're doing a lot of travel. You're on the road a fair bit and that sort mm. of stuff. So you just mentioned your partner now. Mm-hmm. Is where how do you guys meet? Actually, roller, <laughs> rollerblading. Really? Yeah, right back. We were doing we were doing a Coca Cola rollerblade show um, in. She was um, a groupie, wasn't she? No, no, no. Oh. She, she, she she worked for a PR. It's a much better story. She, she worked she worked for um, a company in Brisbane called the PR Company. Okay. So and um, she originally was at Triple M before that, and um, and then yeah. So basically, she came into what's the I can't even remember the name of the mall in the middle of Fortitude Valley. The Brunswick Street Mall. Brunswick Street Mall. Oh. So we were doing a show in Brunswick Street Mall and sort of she – so Team Rollerblade were coming out from the USA and um, so, yeah, so they were doing the PR on that tour. Yeah. And um, they used to do stuff, for, you know, for Chuggy and Kadinsky, all the big concerts and stuff as well. So but must have been one of them that was bringing this tour out. So, um, yeah, so met in Brunswick Street Mall and it was like – Yep, who are you? Yep, okay, cool. And that, <laughs> that's how it happened. 20, 26 years later, here we are. And so did you just get married? No, I didn't Never get been married. married. Two kids and, yeah. you know, all, all, all the shackles of marriage. But <laughs> just not you the never piece got of paper. That on my <laughs> No, no. So. so you got two kids? Two kids. How yeah, old are they? Uh, 16 and 14. And so. what do they think you do? <laughs> what I do, well, I mean, they know what I've done historically, but, yeah. you know, like sort of. Um, so know. is that just an event planner? No, no, no. I, um, I, I, made cool. the, I made the decision be 2014 to study, you know, and um, all the all the big business stuff we'd done, you know, like all the contracts and, you know, the, 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 the money that's, you know, needing that needs to be managed yeah, yeah, behind sure. the scenes in, in businesses of that size, like, like that stuff in interested me, you know, so I was like, oh, I really like to, you know, I'd had my sea changed from the, the carding, yeah. the carding thing, you know, I did nine years of that. And so I was like, do I study law or do I study accounting? So I, I decided to, to study accounting with the view that, um, that, that whole accounting space is becoming more about business advisory. Yep. And, you know, when, when I was young in business and these things started to fly, I had, I had some really good people in mm-hmm. my corner, like really good people that gave me really solid advice and, and direction on, you know, how to structure myself, how to plan, you know, like, uh, and so I felt like that if I could get involved in that, um, you know, that, that my opportunity to impart 
my experiences yeah, for sure. a, as a small business or, you know, medium business owner, small and then, then small business owner and and the, the, the trials and tribulations that go mm. along with, you know, with, with being in business and running a business. So... And that's sort of where we were. I started started studying in 2014 and then the guy who'd been my accountant for, for 15 years, you know, he turned around. I asked him to help mentor me. Yep, you know, through, through the my, process. And he said, well, how about we do one better and how about we go into business together? He said, all this shit that you've done, he's like, I want to be in business with you. Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, so we spent 2015 planning and then I, I spent some time. Whilst just, you were studying? Yep, whilst I was studying and then – and um, and tidying up some other stuff and um, yeah, so and then I did some consulting with him with some of his, you know, with his bigger business clients during 2015 and then we launched at the start of 2016 together. So yeah, so we're coming into our fifth tax season together but so yeah because I mean people look at me and they they so know an, my back you're an accountant. I'm an accountant now yeah so the first accountant ever with a personality is that, that, that <laughs> yeah. should be your advertising well, and marketing yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is and I mean you know like you know like coming into your space that's kind of our vibe too yeah. like you come in there and we've got a little old 50 style house down on the river in Station Street Narang yeah. you know big deck around it that <clears throat> looks out over the river and our main meeting room has you know has a full bar set up with beer on tap and big coffee machine and you know so when you when your business clients come they they, they just feel comfortable well, they appreciate you, you know it. that's and what we did when we put the basketball court in and and the the bar area it was like when people come here it's like oh and right. you just see they relax yeah. straight away and it's like oh actually i can be different here yeah yeah and i think that's, that's a really good I, way to do business yeah I, I i agree you know we don't dress in suits it's like none of it none, none of our clients they're normally like you know our client base is predominant in the in the construction sector, you know, like okay. so builders and plumbers and you know electricians, you know, of varying sizes. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, so it's good. So yeah, we do a lot of a lot of small business advisory and and give a shit. We've you know we're a small team. We've kept our client base small, and you know we. Yeah, we make sure. So you're sure back to we're... having fun again. Yeah, I really enjoy it. You know, there's days like anything that oh, you don't. It's hard, but no, I love what I do now. And people are like, why the fuck did you choose that? <laughs> oh, like, I love it. I you love know? it. And it's you... so. I guess when when they know why, they go, oh, that makes sense. You know, for sure. So, mm. so let's go back to uh, to o four o five, and we're we're, mm. we're now winding down the company. Mm. And what's Penny do? Where's she go? So, so Penny's background was PR. So as part of the wind-up, uh, we were doing uh, – we had the contract to manage the media monitoring for Pepsi and then there was also um, – you know, Penny was an extremely good writer. Like she was a journalist for the Australian before she got into PR and and did a stint in New York. And um, so she was also engaged to do like any crisis work. So like if there was um, say if there's a crisis with the product you know, for one of something, a better example is a razor blade found in a can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know there needs to be immediate response and you know press releases and you know the. the scripts written for yeah, whoever course. is going to face the media from the company and, mm-hmm. and give the explanation. So she, she she retained that. I just said, look, we split up. You keep that. It's a good little retainer. You know, it was – that's what, you know, you were doing anyway. Do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and then I think, you know, she, she sort of went on and I think she sort of tried to do some of those events and stuff. We kind of really lost touch though. You, you did? Know. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. So. And to, still to this day? Um. 
We speak a little bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah not not. But and no, people come and go out of your life, mm. and they do that for a mm. reason. So yeah. it's, it's not a bad thing. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so so what's, I know, the, what's the saying? It's a it's a reason, a season, or a lifetime. One hundred percent. So you've now you've now left that organisation, and you you thinking carton straight away, or what? What? Where's your head going? No. So 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 like I said, it sort of took a year to to wind it down, and I, I kind of needed a year. Yeah. To you know, so you know, I, I sort of I guess for for two or three months, I sort of like w- was almost full time dealing with okay, what we got to do. But there was still some contracts to finish, and we needed to start getting rid of assets, and then. Um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to take a year out. Like, mm. you know, I've got a newborn, you know, it's like I'm going to take a year out. And um, and and then funnily enough, right back to the beginning where I started Snowbiz, uh, you know, the, that first job out of school, you know, one of the owners called me and said, um, I hear you're taking a year off. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, look, he said our Gold Coast store is hemorrhaging, <laughs> hemorrhaging money. And I just said, Dave Manel was his name. And I said, oh, Dave, I... I'm having a year off, yeah, Dave, <laughs> come on. And he's like, well, how about, how about <laughs> if you come back and do that, like, you know, the, the money was pretty crappy retail yeah, job. Yeah. He's like, but I'll take you to the Burton testing and we'll go to Japan snowboarding. And I'm like, okay, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So come and help me. And yeah, so I did. excuse to go and have some fun. Yeah, yeah. So I sort of did sort of seven or eight months when it went back in there and got their stock levels under control. Oh, there was a couple of there was a couple of dodgy staff in there that were whistling gear out the back door. Oh, and, really? Yeah. So I just sort of cleaned it up and and, and got the store back to to turning a profit. <laughs> and, um, but during that time, I was carting just for fun. And um, so was that the first time you sort of started that? Or no, you been doing I didn't, that previously? I didn't sort of like I sort of started the carting thing like when when Jono was killed. I yeah. sold all my dirt bike gear, like just go, I'm not riding yeah. anymore. And then um, went and bought a go kart. So that was sort of mid mid two. Why a go kart? I'd sort of done it with dad growing up. So okay. yeah, so it was like, and then one of my buddies wanted to get into it and. He, he was sort of the instigator and then we went and looked and I ended up buying one and he didn't. <laughs> so I sort of just started and, you know, and I started racing and, yeah, just having a bit of fun and enjoying yeah, yeah. it. And um, the, the, the shop where I was buying all my gear from, um, there's a, an older couple who owned it and um, Lloyd and Marianne and, and Lloyd had developed prostate cancer and um, so they needed to sell the shop and they kept hassling me. You know, every time I go, oh, you should buy it. I'm like, nah. Nah, not no, in, not interested. Not gonna, no and then, and then one one day I was in one day I was in there and I'm like, oh, all right, show me the numbers and so you know I signed the <laughs> the, the disclosure you know the disclosure document and got yeah. the numbers. I'm like, holy crap for for a little retail store like you know Ma and Pa running it like it it's right. not bad like oh. so. So I thought, all right, this this is my sea change. So yeah. And so during this time when you're making all these decisions, are you going back to your missus and saying, "I'm going to have this year off"? Actually, I'm going. To, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 actually, I'm going to buy a go kart shop. Yeah, I guess she's uh, pretty tolerant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, my wife's yeah. the same. I'm, yeah. I'm hearing you. Yeah. But so she 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 she's supporting you through this whole. Yeah, thing. yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> so yeah, so I'm sure she she shook so her head. We've a got lot a baby time. at home now, so, so yeah. I can buy a go kart yeah, yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. that's a natural progression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so and then we built the retail store up and, you know, improved that, you know, moved it to a better location and 
And then during that, you know, because I can't help myself, like during during that time, this opportunity came up to take over the the national distribution of an Italian range of go karts. I'm like, oh, that's a good yeah, idea too. That. Let's do that. <laughs> so, so you know, for two reasons, obviously, there was the national distribution that it meant that the retail store was going to, you know, I was going to yeah, cop, yeah, cop, cop both margins, you know, so it sort of made the, the whole business more profitable. So, and then, yeah, we, so we built and built and built and built the distribution business, sold the retail business in, bought it in, so bought the retail business in 07 and sold it in 12, it started the distribution in, in 09. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so basically, you know, built the distribution business up and then, um, yeah, so finally when I th- – that was kind of – when I'd got to a point with that was when I was like, okay. I've so that was chaos karting? So it was chaos karting and then and then it was – then there was the – the other thing was Epic Sports distribution. Okay. So basically it started out – the brand was Intrepid Kart Technology mm. and then there was a – there was a merger – um, in Italy, and then so then it ended up becoming um, Praga Carts okay. in, International. So, and the guy who owned Praga is just a wealthy, wealthy guy. So, <clears throat> so yeah, we built that up as a brand and had the race team, and you know, I spent a lot of time in Europe and in the US, and so yeah, it, it, there was there was some fun to be <laughs> to be had through through that process. So, karting is that bigger sport? Oh yeah, god yes. Yeah. Really? So I went to that's the natural progression, isn't it, from karting through to formula racing? It, it has become that way yeah uh, you know so I spent a you know through that period you know spent a lot of time working with like Jack Doohan and yep. you know those type of kids and you know went up to Vegas with you know with Mick and Jack and you know raced it raced it there's a big street event that was you know in one of the car parks of the the casinos up there so you know like so you got to do some some pretty cool stuff whilst yeah. whilst building that that business. So you know, so yeah, and then um, yeah, sort of wound that all up in sort of 2014 when I started to study. But, okay. Yeah. So, so what what made you get out of that? It's pretty. It's a pretty taxing business, you know, and it was like. <laughs> Like I, I bought in. Like it, it got to the point where I was doing the same sort of hours. Yeah, you know, as I was when I was doing the Pepsi stuff and making a quarter of the revenue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it was there was you know there was there was awesome fringe benefits. You know, like got to you know trip around the country in private jets with you know with Mick and his mates yeah, and yeah. you know helicopters and then trips to the US and Europe and stuff like that. But you know, I guess the long and the short of it, it was con- starting to consume. Um, as much of my life as you know when I was working on the Pepsi stuff and I'm like oh hang on this ain't I need to check myself again you, yeah, know? Yeah. you know so yeah. no, it's always good to keep yeah. yourself a bit of an uppercut every yeah, now exactly <laughs> so and you know and and any any sport when you get to to, to that highest level is hugely political yeah, so you know so, so then that becomes you know difficult to deal with you know not only are you dealing with the I guess the pressures of the business and making sure the business strategies on on point but then you're also dealing with the fact that you know these people that are participating in these sports it's it's not a business for them it's an emotion so yeah. you know so you, so you get caught up in the emotion and the politics that goes along with that as well so it's pretty – this is all the yeah. bits that people don't see. That's right. And yeah. it's, um, it's interesting, like we mentioned earlier, about sort of the online karting bit 
And like people see that as, oh, that's a really good outlet, but all the negatives that come with that, like mm. you say, loss of sponsors, loss of all this, all mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and the effect that that then has on everyone because mm. it goes all the way down to the catering company that's normally at the track and all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty insane when you think about yeah. like that whole line of things that happen to make this shit happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so you then decide I'm going to go and study. Mm. So. I love that conversation with the wife. Uh, darling, <laughs> I'm not travelling anymore. I'm going to go to uni. <laughs> and, uh, and then her comment, why an old bloke wants to go to uni? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a good decision though, I reckon. Yeah. I, I honestly reckon the kids should be educated later and learn mm. a bit about life before mm. they go to university because mm. then they want to do something that they want to do. Exactly. So you picked accountancy over law. Why is that? Mm. Um, I think, you know... With, with law, I guess I figured that, you know, then you kind of then want to go and specialise and, yeah. you know, like I was 30, I was like 38 or 39 mm-hmm. when I decided to study. So I was, you know, and then I guess the flip side to that is <clears throat> that the, I mean, whilst there's grey area in, in, in that space as well, n- the numbers of a business don't lie. Like, you know, how you interpret something or report something is open to, to interpretation. Yeah, but yeah. when you're looking at the numbers of a business, it's it's either performing well or, or it's performing shit. Money so, in, money out. Really simple, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. So, you know, like from, from that perspective, I felt that I probably had more to offer small business owners or, yeah. or, or or the type of client that we were looking to attract in that space rather than being a lawyer. So so now now you're doing it in your terms. You, mm-hmm. You're sort of not doing the 15-hour days. Mm. You're getting to hang out with the family a bit more mm. and do all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. And have you got the passion back now? For sure. I mean, you know, like, a, a, you know, if you had asked me that two weeks ago, we just came through probably, <laughs> we just came through probably the busiest period that we've ever had in that was business. Was that because of JobKeeper and all that sort of stuff? Correct. Yeah. You know, and, and then how, you know, there was just so much information being released and, um, and so quickly. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the amount of reading that had to go into understanding um, you know, w- w- what what all those programs meant and then, you know, looking at case studies so that then we could proactively, um, you know, implement that across or, or, you know, look at it on a case because everybody's business is yeah, slightly different and, you know, how are you eligible for it this way or, you know, at this level or at that level. Yeah. So <clears throat> so there was a lot of reading and a lot of research and, and, and a lot of phone calls with clients. So. so the thing is the speed to market that this stuff happened was mm-hmm. just insane. Yeah, it was. Like we, we owned some gyms and one of the things was it was like on the Sunday night, I still remember it vividly, by 12 o'clock tomorrow you'll all be shut. It's like, fuck, like what do we do? And it was like, okay, let's just deal with that situation. But then the next six weeks of, okay, well, now we're going to deal with staff, what do we do here, what do we do there, all that sort of stuff to the point where, yes, on Sunday this week, actually you can open again tomorrow. It's like, it's not that easy. Nah. So you've got these politicians making these decisions you then have to deal with to then advise advise mm. your clients. Mm. Tough job. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, and I guess, you know, I guess this, the, the saving grace, I guess, for us is that, like, the you know, of our entire client base, you know, we only had one cafe and we have a, like, you know, pretty or they are the number one sort of, I guess, wedding stylist business mm-hmm. on the Gold Coast. So th- those two were obviously impacted yep. dramatically. Um, you know, the, the rest of our client base is, is sort of construction so industry-based. They did, you know. You know, certainly there was those who had downturn or now, you know, they had plenty of work on their slate and they're yeah. just 
are starting to now see some downturns. So, you know, and I think, you know, making sure that we had all the measures in place for them so that they got the stimulus and JobKeeper and whatever else and, and knew how to report properly and, um, you know, it was, was pretty important. So. so let's look into your crystal ball mm-hmm. in six months' time. My, my opinion is we're going to go into the worst recession we've ever seen anywhere in the world mm. um, and that is the fact that we're being propped up by the government at the moment. Mm-hmm. There has to be a point in time where that doesn't happen. So there has to be a point in time at some stage where the rug's pulled out and it's like just deal with it. Mm. Um, no one's looking forward to that time. Mm. Everyone can see it's going to happen. Um, if you were going to give some advice to a small business or anyone like that, what do they do? Like, what are you telling your clients? Are you telling your clients that this like, – great, great, great mm. example. I was talking to a lady this morning who's a real estate agent, right, mm. and she was saying to me, oh, actually, we're being told the market's going to go up. And I said, I tell you what, darling, if the market goes up from between now and the next 12 months, I'll run naked down Cavill Avenue, right? Mm. No one wants to see that. Mm. And I said to her, <laughs> I said, but ring me in about three months' time when the market's dropped 30%. And mm. said, oh, that's never going to happen. And I'm sitting there going, I'm a realist, right? Mm. And I'm sitting there going, if people tell the truth about what's going to happen, they can deal with it. Mm. But there's all these people out there think, oh, no, this is fine, we're going to be fine and all this sort of stuff. Mm. How are you dealing with all that with your clients? Oh, so, like, again, that comes back to, you know, everybody's position is is slightly different, you know, and I think that's, I think understanding, you, you know, the, the financial position of your business and your own personal financial yep. position is, is is the starting point for, for those conversations. So I tend to agree with you. I think, you know, the, you know, everything that I'm reading that's coming out from the banks or economists is, you know, like that... Um, we're not going to see the effects of what's going on here until, like you were saying, oh, I can open my gyms again on Sunday. Like, yeah. So it'll be <laughs> once once all these businesses reopen and can... If they reopen. Yeah, sure, mm. right, or, or and start to try and get back to normal, that's when I think the economists are saying that's when we're going to start to see the failure mm. rates, like businesses right now are being propped up by stimulus. So you, once people can get back in their businesses and then get them operating again, if they've been clever in redirecting and repositioning their marketing or working out a, yep. a, a new revenue streams or whatever, <clears throat> it's going to take some time before they see whether that business is going to survive the longer term or into mm-hmm. the future. So, um, you know, what they're sort of pegging is there's going to be quite a lot of businesses that are going to fail and then sort of by September, October, you know, liquidation rates will start to increase and then that's when prices will start to drive down. Yeah. So that's kind of... That's feel it. <clears throat> yeah, October. You know, October is probably my gut when we'll feel it. And, I mean, the government's come out swiftly because they obviously know the same thing and, mm. you know, they're you know they're offering, you know, new home build grants and that's rumoured to be, you know, essentially they're probably going to be somewhere in the range of 50K for a new home build. And then last night there was rumours of, you know, home renovation grants as well. So to try oh, really? and keep all those sectors spinning so you know the stimulus will be redirected uh, you know in a, in a different space so I, I don't think that's going to stop a recession just going to keep happening but in different ways yeah so you know i think you know once once all that you know there's confidence is high at the moment because the government's throwing a heap of money around so. well someone's got to pay for it it's the generations in the future that have to pay for that correct and yeah. and the thing is people forget really really easily yeah and, yeah and like like all the really bad shit that's happening in america at the moment and there's not one mention of COVID anymore in America. <laughs> is there? Like, there's, there's a you, surprise. 
you, you look at all this stuff and, and they're saying like this looting and all that sort of stuff is going to affect that economy for like years. Well, Which was actually, already hurting. COVID, COVID's already fucked that economy. Yeah, yeah. So now it's just like another excuse. It's mm. really bizarre when you look into, into all that sort of piece. Yeah, I it think, just anyway. sort of rolls from one end to the other. Oh, it does, mate. Mm. It's never ending. Okay, so the way I always love to finish my podcast is ask you some pretty personal questions, right? Okay. What's your greatest ever achievement in life? Greatest ever achievement in life? Probably having kids. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing life. It's yeah. pretty cool, isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit, little bit better than the uh, the Coca-Cola Inline yeah, Spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Edit the... that out, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> was Lee in that team? No. Oh, no, that's no, right. no, I was going to say, there's a scary no, side. No, 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 no. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's definitely not an advocate for inline skating. <laughs> <laughs> who's the person who's had the biggest influence on your career? Guy by the name of Kevin was two two mm-hmm. people. Um, a guy by the name of Kevin Stewart, um, who was my best mate from school's dad, and like he, he grabbed me. I think at sort of nineteen when I went into my first business, and he he was my mentor like all the way through and right out to the back of, you know, finishing at Pepsi. Oh, know? really? Yeah, just an, an incredible mind and just such a. It's a word I want to use. Like just um just so pa- passionate and so knowledgeable and gave me some some amazing advice. Over Are he still mates with his son? Yep, yep, yep. So his son's an insurance broker, share, works in our office. With oh, there you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, you know, just an amazing human. So he's retired now. And then sort of as I've sort of finished up the Pepsi thing and got involved, um, you know, in karting, uh, you know, I met a guy called um, Kerry Moore um, who, you know, is quite a successful Gold Coast businessman and, um, he, he, I guess, took me under his wing in that space and gave me um, a lot of guidance and a lot of help and a lot of support in, in that journey and even into now. You know, when, when I decided to study, you know, I sat down and, and, you know, spoke to Kerry about what my plans were and, you know, he, he's just that whenever I've got something rattling around in my brain. Like, <laughs> he's like, your go-to. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts on this, mate? You know, and he always, yeah, he's just got that really, like, quite clever strategic mind and, yeah, yeah. And is he also brutally honest with that? Yep, That's 100%. Exactly what you need, yep, and he'll tell me the things that I don't want to hear too. Yep, you know which what I mean? is good. Yep. Mate, as, yep. as a business mentor, that's what you need to be able to do. Exactly. Like you call yep. a spade a spade yep. and that's it. Simple yep. as that. Yep, yep. Okay, quick fire questions. Favourite food? Favourite food? Um, I'd say teppanyaki. Oh, I love a good teppanyaki. <laughs> Favourite song? Um, blinded by the Lights at the moment by The weekend. Favourite place in the world? I'd say Italy. Oh, beautiful spot. Mm. What's next for Ken? What's next for me? Um, I think, you know, just continue to um, con- continue to grow the business that we've got and, you know, and just offer good advice. I think this is my, this is my it business, you know, like I, I love what I do at the moment. I love the different people I speak to every day and being able to, you know, because we're five years into it, like I'm seeing growth, you know, like yeah. from, from somebody that I spoke to, you know, f- four, four and a half years ago, you know, in their business and, you know, through conversations that we've had and changes that have been implemented to see what that business looks like four years on, that's freaking rewarding. That's pretty you know, cool, isn't You it? know, like when you help somebody make some decisions, you know, four years ago and then you look at it and go, well, you know what, that that section of the business that's performing 
as it should be, was the result of decisions that were made back then. Back then, you know. So, so it's pretty cool. Isn't it, it is. Pretty yeah, it is. Yeah. So you've got two kids. What's mm-hmm. the advice you'd give them? One one piece of advice about business. One piece of advice about business. Don't be scared. Have a crack. Have a crack. You know, yeah. Back yourself. You know, like you know, don't don't say I can't do something. You know, like that's so say, true. You know, say you can do it, and then get Just have get, a crack at life. Get, if you fuck it up, then bounce get, back. Get about working it out. You know, yeah. like so. You know, so it's like don't say no. Say yes. Hundred <laughs> percent, mate. Yeah. Well, on that note, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for telling me your story. It wasn't that scary, was it? No, not really. <laughs> no, not, not, not once we got started, <laughs> mate. As far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Cheers, bud. Good on you. What an amazing human. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you enjoy the rest of the Podfire podcasts and I really hope that you enjoyed Awesome Humans. Reach out to us on Podfire and all the social media channels as well as BJ Macker uh, to reach out to me personally. Have a great day.